0: In April of 2019, uh, Janie and I went to a Chris, Comlin, Chris, Comlin, Chris Tomlin concert. Um, it's his Holy Roar concert tour, and we went in Dallas. And this book actually came from that. Uh, we 're standing there and, and we 're with four or five thousand people i don 't remember it wasn 't a real big venue, but it was packed completely packed and I remember uh, you know there 's so many songs Chris Tomlin has written, like our God that we just sang, and we 're worshiping we 're just singing and and there are times that i 'm not making this up janie and I are just we have our arms wrapped around each other we 're just weeping in the presence of God because the worship was so real to us and uh and that song um uh, I don't remember, what's the name of that song? He is where they ask all the questions and then he answers, is he worthy? We'd never heard that song before. And that's one of them, you know. the God of all creation, is he worthy, is he worthy, he is. We were singing that and I'm getting chill bumps thinking about it, we were worshiping, it was just powerful in the middle of this concert. So Pat Barrett was there and and he's written Good, Good Father and he's written several other things. Uh, Taryn Wells was there. Um, It was an incredible worship set. But in the middle of it, Chris Tomlin's pastor, uh, Darren Whitehead comes out and he teaches about worship, about praise. And I didn't know this. I've been to seminary. I've been doing ministry for 30-something years, 37 years now. I didn't know that in the Old Testament there are seven Hebrew words for the word we translate as praise in the English. Seven different words. We got one. And he did this teaching, and I said, Man, that is so good. And so I went and I bought the book, and I, I recently read through this book, and over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about these seven Hebrew words because I think it's going to change. If you if you are a Christ follower and you have any hunger to worship God, it's going to change the way you worship. Because we're going to look at the scripture. If I were to ask you to define praise, we'd have at least 40, 50, maybe a hundred different uh, definitions of praise. But what I want to do is I want to go to God's word and I want to pull out these Hebrew words. The reason, one of the reasons I think God had the Old Testament written in Hebrew and Aramaic, the New Testament was written in, Br- in Greek, is because every word in those languages had a word picture that, is, that was associated with it. And the word we're going to look at today has a word picture, and you'll, you'll know it when we get to it. Now, the title of this series comes from, um, come to worship, comes from this passage of scripture, Matthew chapter 2, and it says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, and we don't know what the time was, we do know that it was some time frame. It took a while. It was hundreds of miles that these wise men came from the east to worship Jesus. It took them a while to get there. It took them several weeks at the least. It may have taken a month. Anyway, so we get to this point. It says about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to do what? Help me out. We have come to do what? We have come to worship him. The wise men didn't come to get a thing from Jesus. They came to offer worship to him. And and let me tell you, if you ever leave a worship service not having been stirred in your heart, more than likely, it could be a horrible preacher, all right? But more than likely, you thought worship was about you and not about him. You thought Jesus should do what you wanted him to do. You thought worship should stir your heart instead of you coming and giving something to the king of kings and lord of lords, the wonderful counselor, the prince of peace, the everlasting father. See, a lot of people think God, God exists for us. They think, they think he's like you know the little genie lamp. Mm, we rub on the, the lamp, poof, God pops out and he says, you have three wishes. I exist to do what you want me to do. How? I don't want you to be upset with me, so just ask whatever you wish, and I'll give it to you. Is that the real God? No. Or it's like a Coke machine. If you put in the, the right amount, which means you pray the right prayer, you, you have your devotional, you go to church 800 times a week, and then you post your devotional time on whatever social media is popular at the time. Your, your highlighted Bible is right there next to your cup of coffee. And so everybody in this universe knows how spiritual you are then God is, God is obligated. I went to church. God is obligated to do what I want him to do. No, that is not the God of the scriptures. The wise men came from hundreds of miles to worship, to offer something to him. And, and I said this before, but I'm going to keep saying it. God is not nearly as interested in your happiness as he is in your holiness. And if he has to choose between your happiness and holiness, he will choose holiness every time. So stop treating him like he owes you something. Start worshiping for who he is. Now, today to get us started, I have a picture. Go ahead and put that picture up there if you would, Nate. When you see this picture, what do you think of? Worship, right? Now, how many of you, and and, (laughs) go with me here, right? How many of you just, it's no big deal for you to worship, to raise your hands and worship. Let me see your hands. Now, watch this. How many of you have a hard time raising your hands in worship? <laughs> All right, I set you up so you, you did it quickly. All right, now, there's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm going to show you today is that Scripture clearly teaches that we're to raise our hands in worship. And so my question as we get into this is, why would God teach this? Why would he, why would he call us to do this? And what does it accomplish? That's what we're gonna look at look at today. So the first word in the in the Hebrew Old Testament for um, praise is yada. I want you to say yada. Say it again, yada. Okay, you, you emphasize that second one, you kind of say yada, yada. There you go. Here's what it means. To revere or worship with extended hands. So so think about this. When you haven't seen somebody that you are very close to, what do you do? You you extend your hands, right? Or the the next one is to hold out the hands. It is a very natural show of affection when you're in the presence of someone you love. Psalm 67.3 says this, May the nations yadah. He's saying, Let everyone yadah. May all the nations, Yadah, that is lift their hands in praise and reverence to you. Now you need to understand Psalm 67 is a psalm of blessing. And here's a blessing according to scripture. A blessing is something given by God to his people to bless them so that they can be a blessing to others. God never blesses you for you. He always blesses you so that you can bless someone else. And, and is, there, is there any more natural expression of excitement, wonder, and awe than raising your hands? Is there? How many of you know what happened on May 1st, 1991? Just shoot your hand up if you know what happened on that date. 24 days before I married Janie Gardner, I'm sitting at a Texas Rangers baseball game. And I'm watching Nolan Ryan pitch his seventh no-hitter. Now, this was really a, a, kind of a crazy thing how it happened. I just moved to Arlington. Janie and I weren't even married yet. She's still finishing up school at Sam Houston. And so um, I'm sitting, well, before all of this happened, my friend, new friend at this new church, he's a Sunday school teacher in the youth area. He, w- he knew that I was coming as youth minister, all this stuff. He calls me up and he goes, hey, I've got two tickets to a Rangers game on Wednesday night. Nolan Ryan's supposed to pitch. You want to go? And I said, dude, I got youth group. And he goes, well, I'm going to be there at youth group. We'll just go afterwards. And and he said, because we're going to church first, God's going to honor us with something special. And I'm like, okay, whatever, dude. But yeah, I'll go watch Nolan Ryan pitch. So we get there in the second inning and, and he had dog sat. This is what's so funny. Somebody had season tickets in his neighborhood. They're pretty wealthy. He dog sat for them one time and they said, hey, here's two tickets to a Rangers game. Happened to be Nolan Ryan pitching that night. So we're about 10 rows up from the third base dugout. And in the third inning, we get there in the second inning, third inning, there's still no hits. And my buddy, who's this huge guy, he played football at Baylor. Um, he played behind Mike Singletary. If you know who he is, he was his backup at Baylor University. So this big old guy turns to me and he goes, Hey dude, I think we're going to see a no hitter. Now, if you know anything about no hitters, you don't talk about no hitters while it's going on. Cause you'll jinx them, you idiot. And I'm like, no, don't talk to me. And you're watching in the, I don't know if y'all have seen this. If you're watching in the dugout, every inning, Nolan Ryan's Teammates get further and further away from them. They ignore you because they don't want to jinx it. Every inning, it's like, it's building. I mean, and there are 40-something, this was in Ranger Stadium. This was before the ballpark and the new ballpark, which was the new ballpark when we were there. This is Rangers Stadium, that one in the round. It's a piece of junk, but we're on the third baseline, and we're just having this great time every inning. The excitement is building and building and building and building. It was crazy. There were 40-something thousand people there. And I want you to uh, think of this. It was men, women, boys, girls. It didn't matter nationality. It didn't matter your education level. We were up on our feet every inning. And I want you to hear, listen to the crowd. You're going to see just the last strike. There's, there's two outs, ninth inning. Nolan Ryan's about to pitch his seventh no-hitter. Watch this. and watch the crowd when you see the crowd I was on my feet, screaming, if, you, if you've ever been with me to a sporting event, you know I can get into it, my buddy and I are slapping high fives, we're high fiving everybody, we're running up and down the aisles, it was awesome, and we didn't leave, I'm telling you, nobody in that stadium, it finished about 9.30, because it was such a fast game, when the other team doesn't get a hit, you get, they won three to nothing, it was incredible, and, and so about 11 p.m., we finally left the stadium, because everybody was just loving it, yeah, I go home and I call Janie, because this was before cell phones and all that stuff, and she wasn't even in the same town as me, and she's like, hello, and you know, you didn't have a caller ID, and I'm like, baby, I know you don't care, but I just saw Nolan, Ryan right, seventh, no hitter, and she's like, yay, <laughs> then because I couldn't go to sleep and I had to call someone else, I'm not making this up, my best friend from back home was best man in my wedding, I was best man in his wedding, I call him, and he's like, what are you doing calling me? To, at this time of the night, and I said, you're not going to believe where I was. And he goes, what? He goes, and, and so you need to understand through the years, God has done some s- kind of crazy things in my life, and he, he doesn't like it. My best friend doesn't like it when I get to do something he doesn't get to do. And so I said, dude, I was at Nolan Ryan's seventh no hitter. I hate you. <laughs> I said, cool. That's all I wanted to hear. Bye. <laughs> it was awesome. If you'd been there, what would you have done? Yes! How come we'll raise our hands for a baseball game? But we will not raise our hands for one who spoke us into existence. The one who gave us the name Jesus And he said, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. We come into his presence. If Nolan Ryan's pitching a no-hitter, we lose all Abandoned. This word yadah is found 111 times in the Bible. 111 times. We're, we're told by God that his people should raise hands to him. And, and I want you to understand, this describes, in, in a lot of these instances, it describes the Hebrew people when they're so overcome. When we were in that last thing, they're overcome. God, you're incredible. I lift my hands to you. Here's an example from Psalm 145.10. All your works shall yadah you, Lord. Your faithful people extol. This is where extol means to praise enthusiastically. Were we praising Nolan Ryan's performance enthusiastically? How many people praise God enthusiastically in worship? And I'm not throwing any stones at you people that are watching online today, but how many of you sitting in your, your living rooms praise God enthusiastically when you watch us on Facebook? Maybe we should. David declares, God's people can't help but praise their hands. For God's faithfulness is goodness they could not help but yada, the Lord. Psalm 44, 8 says this, And God, we make our boast all day long, and we will praise, we will yada your name. How long? Forever. Let me give you some, some definitions of this. Yada is an active posture of God of praise expressed by those who do what adore God has nothing to do with what denomination you're a part of but instead yada I love this yada is an eternal verb David just said we're going to yada God forever it's an eternal verb and if you're a child of God you'll yada for eternity and since that is true since that is true shouldn't we start practicing now If Nolan Ryan was losing 10 to nothing on May 1st, 1991, would we have yadahed him? No. There wouldn't have been 40-something thousand people hanging around after the end. And and, uh, I kind of think there's more than 40,000 people who say they were there now, right? It's grown through the years. I have the ticket stub to prove it. Now, not only in good times do we yadah, there should be times we celebrate and worship God and we just are overflowing with praise to God. But even more so in the bad times. David was in the wilderness. He was at a low point in his life. The, the king, David's been anointed king, and the, 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 current King Saul was trying to kill him. So he's running around. Here's what he says in Psalm 63, 1 through 4. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I'm not going to pretend that I love you, God. I'm earnestly seeking you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. If you go with us to Israel, we will go through the wilderness and you'll go, I understand what David was saying. We're going to go to the place where he hid out from King Saul in Gedi. And there's this little oasis in the middle of this dry desert land. He says, In the middle of that, my soul longs for you where there's no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory because your love is better than life. Listen to what he's saying. He's out in the middle of nowhere running for his life. Your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise. Here's another word we're going to get to later, shabak. Shabak means shout to commend. Yes, Lord, you are good. He's in the middle of a cave hiding for his life, and he says, I'm going to shout the goodness of God. As long as I live. And in your name, I will do what? In your name, I will do what? Lift up my hands. How many of you can relate to being in a dry, weary place right now? Can, can I just see that? Your life feels dry. You're not where you thought you were going to be. You're alone. You're rejected. You're afraid. And you thought, I did not think my life would turn out like this. And then what happens? The holidays come. Have you ever noticed that Christmas is a magnifier? If life is good, man, Christmas magnifies the goodness. And if life is bad, it puts a big fat magnifier on how bad your life is going right at that moment. You know what the answer is? To seek God, to come to worship in good times and in bad times in pandemics is that what we do? Not usually. Usually God's an afterthought till there's no other place to turn. Oh yeah, maybe I'll try God because I've tried everything else. That is not the way we do it. David said, I need you, God, from the depths of my soul. I thirst for you, I long for you, I crave for you. There's nothing that's satisfying me right now. I desperately need you. And he's not saying, God, I'm thanking you because things are good. He's saying, I am thanking you because you're good even though my circumstances are not. I will yadah. I will praise you as long as I live. And everybody said, repeat this after me. He says, I will do what? I will lift up my hands in your name. It's an active posture of praise for those who adore God. Can I tell you that some of you have forgotten what it's like to be dead in your trespasses and sins? Folks who have forgotten don't worship enthusiastically. Folks who have forgotten don't worship at all folks who don't worship regularly either they are not christians or they've forgotten the cost of salvation because when you remember worship is the most natural thing in the universe here's what ephesians 2:8 8 and 9 says god saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. this is a gift from god salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it but we'll boast about god i remember i remember exactly where i was the first time I ever raised my hands in worship. I was at Piney Baptist Encampment. I, we'd come to Palestine as a youth minister. I took my youth group to Piney Woods um, Baptist Encampment, and, and I was sitting on the front row. And I don't remember if it was a, it was a midwinter retreat or, or youth camp, but I just know I had my youth group there, and we were on the front row. I, I told my my youth group, I said, I said a fired-up youth group sits on the front. We don't sit on the back. So we would always get on the front row, and, and we were worshiping. And, um, and the worship leader, I don't even remember his name, but he stops in the middle of worship and he said, I want to show you a video. He said, I want to teach you about worship right now. So he begins teaching us about worship. And, and he shows us this video where people are just worshiping with reckless abandon. You know who they were worshiping? Michael Jackson. This is, this is a picture from one of his concerts. And people are just worshiping him. Go to the next one. This is a picture where Michael Jackson has walked in front of people and they're just weeping in the video. This was actually an action video. People are fainting, they're screaming, they're crying, Michael Jackson! And then at the end of the video these words come on the screen. True worship. False God. And he just Stopped. And everybody almost gasped. And he said, I want to tell you, teenagers, I don't remember all of the words, but he said, stop pretending to worship the real God. And so I sat down. And one of the things that I was real concerned about was I wanted to lead my kids. And so if, 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 if I felt like I was supposed to sit down in the presence of God, I would sit down in the presence of God. So all my teenagers, they're standing up. They're worshiping. The next song was just awesome, and I'm sitting down. I got my head kind of in my hands, and I'm going, oh, God, what is wrong with us? I don't remember the song, but I remember God became so real to me that I shot up out of my chair, and I started worshiping God like this. I'd never done it before in my life, and I didn't give a rip who saw me. And I was a youth minister at a Baptist church. Where well, you don't do stuff like that. I didn't care. God. What's interesting, I didn't know it at the time. One of my leaders, she was, I don't remember if she's junior or senior, but she's sitting on that front row. So we come to our church group time that night, and I, I shared my experience, and she goes, Um, I had a little bit different experience. She said, I was worshiping, and God told me to sit down. Because I was worshiping so others could see me worship. And she said, So I sat down the rest of that time. I've never forgotten that day. And I'm just going to tell you, you cannot experience the grace of God without showing your gratitude in some way. And when you get it, when you understand what he's done for you, when you understand who you are to him, you want to express your heart in worship. That's what happened to me. In the New Testament, Paul is giving some advice to a young pastor named Timothy. Notice what he says in every place, in how many places of worship? every place of worship. I want men. He wants who? Men. Now, understand, many times in Scripture when we have it translated man, it means humankind, mankind. Not here. It means men. I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God. (laughs) Here's the key part, free from anger and controversy. I don't know why, but sometimes men are the last ones to do this. I don't know if we think it's feminine. I don't know. But Paul says, I want men. And here's why I think he does. At least part of the reason why is he wants men to lead. Men, don't you let your wife out worship you. Don't you let your children out worship you. I mean, I'm going to get up and have my time with the Lord every day. I don't even remember the last time. Actually, I do remember the last time. It's when we got up at 2 o'clock in the morning, March 13th, 2020, and we were leaving for the airport in Israel. That day, I did not have my full-length devotional with the Lord because I got on a plane and flew for 15 hours to come back in the middle of a pandemic. That's the last time I didn't have my daily time with the Lord. I'm going to have my daily time with the Lord. My wife is going to go have her daily time with the Lord. I'm not about to let her be the leader of my family spiritually. I love her. God has gifted her, but he did not call her to be the leader of my family. Paul wants men to set the standard. If you want your children to seek after God, I was in youth ministry for a long time and parents would say, well, I want my kids to go to church, but I'm not going to go to church. Well, your kids are smart enough to recognize a hypocrite. By the way, we're all hypocrites. He called us hypocrite. Well, I'm one too, but we serve a perfect God. At the end of the message today, I'm going I'm to give you an opportunity to, to sing and to worship God, and I'm going to ask everybody, whether you're a believer or not, whether you've ever raised your hands or not, to raise your hands and worship to God, not because the pastor asked you to, but because you recognize a holy God. I'm giving you warning. Some of you are already getting uptight. So let's go through this quickly. Why would God ask us to raise our hands? Why would God ask us to lift our hands? When Waylon comes to me and he says, "Pop, pop, would you hold me?" How do you think I respond? I scoop that boy up. You better believe I'll hold you. There's no loving father. There's no loving grandfather who would deny his grandchild an embrace. If I, being sinful, if I, being evil, know how to love my grandson, how much more does the God of the universe know how to love you? When we raise our hands towards God, when our hands move towards God, his heart moves towards us. It's just the way it is. Look at James 4, 8. Come near to God and he will come near to you. As we lift our hands as an act of worship, God has promised he will be near to you. Second, why would God ask us to lift our hands? It's an offering of praise. Just like you give money in in the offering, lifting your hands can be, if you're not doing it for others, if you're doing it for God, it can be an offering of praise. Look at Psalm 141, 1 and 2. Oh Lord, I'm calling to you. Please hurry. Listen when I cry to you for help. Accept my prayers as incense offered to you and my upraised hands as an evening offering. For some of you, this is going to be the first time you've ever lifted your hands in worship. And by the way, if you're at home What's going to stop you in your living room from lifting your hands? Now, if you're driving, please keep your hands on the wheel. You can do one and keep your eyes open. I remember the first time my brother taught me that, he said, I'm going to pray right now, Doug. Is it okay if I pray with my eyes open? And I'm I'm like 10 years old. I'm like, please pray with your eyes open. Why would God ask us to lift our hands? Because we're in a battle and we need God's help. Some of you right now are in the middle of a battle, a spiritual battle, and if things don't change, you don't know what's gonna happen. You don't know what you're gonna do. And so today you're gonna lift up your hands you're gonna say, I'm in a battle. I'm declaring this, the battle is the Lord's. In the Old Testament, in in Exodus chapter 17, I don't have time to read this, but if you want to read this later, Exodus chapter 17, the Amalekites were attacking the Israelites, and Moses is the leader. Moses says to Joshua, he said, I want you to gather the forces, because tomorrow we're going to war. Moses said, I'm going to go up on the mountain, and I'm going to pray to God for you. You're going to take the best men, and they were incredibly outnumbered. And he said, I'm going to go and I'm going to pray. And when the arms were lifted up, when he was acknowledging God as the sovereign Lord, the Israelites were winning. But as soon as his hand started to come down, the Amalekites started winning. Some of you right now, it feels like you're losing. Some of you have been crying out to God. God, you need to say, God, I trust you no matter what. In spite of what I see, in spite of what I feel, in spite of what they say, I'm going to continue to praise you because the battle is yours. Now look what happens in Exodus 17, 12, and 13. Moses, his arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur, that's two men, two two, uh, elders, look what they do. They found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses holding up his hands. As a result, look at this, as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. That's why we come to church. It's because sometimes you can't do it on your own and you need somebody to crawl up under your arms and hold your arms up in praise and adoration to God. And last week I, I, I showed you this. If you weren't here, I'm coming back. Keith always gets worried when I step out of the camera. I am coming back. There's a lot of people with logs in there. This was awesome. Waylon came in. These were still on the front row and he, he picked it up. He goes, Whoop, daddy, I have a log in my eye. He was listening. You need an Aaron, you need a her in your life, and I want to be that for you, because I'm going to tell you something. There was a time when I was on my face before God. I'm saying, "God, why? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my family? And people who claim to be followers of Christ They're beating me over the back. They had knives. I actually told somebody this recently. I said, when I was down, you stabbed me in the back. The Christian army is the only army in the history of the world that shoots its wounded. And there are a group of people that crawled up under my arms and lifted my arms up when I could not even keep my head up. There are people in this church, there are people around this state, there's people in other states, and there's actually people in other parts of the world somebody in Haiti heard about us was praying for us and i'm just going to tell you you need people praying with you and it's why i don't want to go through another lockdown and i praise god for the eight people who came when we were in a lockdown there were literally eight people in this room i was preaching to eight people in a camera I don't want to go to that again because I need someone helping me to worship and praise God. And you need it too. I ran into a friend of mine. And I met him when we moved here. We came here in 1995 and I met him. He was a youth minister. Now he's a pastor and I was at a funeral and he wasn't even that, he was at the funeral home for a different reason. I ran into him. We just started chit chat because we always do. And he said, he goes, hey dude, he he pulls me to the side. He said, I will never forget, I had forgotten. He said, I will never forget when you came and you laid hands and you prayed for me. 20 something years ago. And it's such an unusual experience at the Baptist church that he remembers 20 something years ago when me and another minister came and laid hands on him because I don't even know what he was going through. I just know that I came and I prayed with him and that ministered to him and you need that as well. Throughout history, raising hands has meant a couple of things. We're going to finish this up. One, why would God want us to raise hands? Because it signals victory. When we, when we were cheering for, for uh, Nolan Ryan, victory! When God wins, we need to shout. We need to raise our hands. But there's another universal meaning. <laughs> if, if Mr. Policeman comes to you with his gun drawn, what are you going to do? I hope that never happens to you. It has happened to me more than once. Raising our hands means victory, it means surrender, and it means both when you come into the presence of a holy God. So I, I read the uh, I read about this song. We're gonna we're gonna play the song. And by the way, if you're on Facebook, go find Chris Tomlin's "I Lift My Hands." Um, if you just Google it, or if you just put it in YouTube, it'll pop up. The first one is the one we're gonna look at. But I read Louis Giglio is a pastor that I've known for years. Actually, Janie and I met him and his wife at a at a bonfire at Baylor University after we'd all graduated from Baylor. And, um, he wrote a book, and I don't remember if it was Comeback or Goliath Must Fall. One of those books I read, and he was talking about anxiety he had, and he, he was, long story. He said it was so bad, he thought he was going to die. He kept going to his doctor. The doctor said, You just got anxiety. And he said, It got to where all he could do at night was lift his hands up. He's laying in bed, it's dark, his wife doesn't even know this is going on. He cries out to God, and he says, I lift my hands to you. And so he and Chris Tomlin actually did college ministry way back uh, when, and he, he writes to Chris, and he says, hey, man, I don't know if God's going to use this or not, but here's what God has given to me, and, and I kind of sing it, and Chris said, I don't know what he sang, what melody he sang, but, but Chris said, I took that and made it into a song, and uh, so this song came out of a time when someone is dry and weary in a, in a land where there is no good, no hope, and, and he lifted his hands to God, and that's what we're about to do. I'm going to play this song. If you want to come up here and and kneel, if you want to stand and lift your hands, I'm just going to, whether you know it or not, we're not going to have the lyrics up here, but maybe you know this song. Every time you hear it say, I lift my hands, I want you to lift your hands. If you get tired, put them down. But every time it says, I lift my hands to believe again, the meaning is there's a time, God, when I questioned you. There's a time when I was hurting, but I lift my hands to believe again. And then the the chorus says, let faith arise. Let faith arise as you lift your hands to a loving God. I'm willing to bet he's going to move towards you and he's going to stir inside of you some of those old feelings that you have been missing as you surrender to him. So we're going to say goodbye to Facebook and we're going to turn this on because it'll kick us off. Facebook will kick us off when we play this song. So Gary, I want you to go ahead and take the lights down and, and we're just going to, we're going to finish with this today. And I'll come back and, and dismiss this in just a minute. But for the next 4 or 45, I don't even know how many minutes it is, we're going to worship God, yada, We're going to adore him. Let's do it. Let's pray together and we'll go eat some lunch. Father, we thank you for your grace. You're a good, good father. And we lift our hands today to praise you and to say we need you to signal victory because Jesus Christ is not in the tomb. He rose from the dead, and he's coming back. But God, we need your power. We need your authority in our lives because the enemy wants to destroy us. I thank you, Jesus, that you said, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Your Holy Spirit can empower us. Help us to yield to your spirit today. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You're dismissed.